prosper. Begin it in our lives, in every members in our parish. Oh, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord God, enable us to see it, oh Lord God. Enable us to see the new things you have begun, oh Lord God. Open up our eyes, oh Lord God. Let there be increase in our knowledge, oh Lord God. Let there be understanding, oh Lord God. Enable us, oh Lord, to teach your word and dilute it, oh Lord God. Enable us, oh Lord God, that when we open up our mouth at the end of this convention, we will speak as an oracle of God, oh Lord. We will speak with boldness, oh Lord God. We will speak with understanding, oh Lord God. Oh Lord, we bless your name, oh Lord God. We exalt your name, oh Lord. Lord, we bless you, we bless you, we bless your name, we bless your name. Lord, we exalt you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we bless your name, O Lord. In Jesus' almighty name we pray. We're going to ask God that, Lord, in this convention, our knowledge will increase. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 verse 7, And the Lord give unto Daniel the ability, the knowledge of understanding of literature. That from after this convention, when we pick up the Bible, the Lord shall give revelation unto us. He gave unto Daniel, he says, for those four boys, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature. Whenever we pick up the word of God, unction and the thing, mystery of God will be revealed unto us. That's what the knowledge does. He revealed the mystery of what no understanding of no man can see. That's what God will be giving unto us in this. So we're going to pray that you same God who gave it to Daniel, give it unto me, O Lord God. Let's lift up our voice and let us pray. Let us pray for knowledge and understanding. The Bible says, and God gave unto four, those four boys. He gave them the knowledge, He gave them understanding. To understand the literature, to understand the knowledge of the world. That there will be increase in the knowledge of the world in our life. Oh Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Oh yes Lord, we bless your name, O oh Lord. Thank you Lord God. In Jesus' name we Amen. Let's just take a please. Can I have my voice up and let me be audible? Don't record me yet. I will tell you when you will start rolling. Now, I believe very much that um, every one of you who were here yesterday have stories to tell. A testimony just came in to me while I was driving in from um, Milton Kings of somebody who was not in the meeting yesterday night. You know, the Lord said yesterday night was anointing for sight. Yes. And this place was filled with angels yesterday. I don't think this auditorium has seen such a gathering of angels. But you know, what is impressing to me is that somebody called me now and told me that um, he did one of the members that moved to Milton Kings and we sent him to one of the sister churches there, Pastor Agela's church we sent him to, with his family. He said he had a dream this overnight this morning. And that dream he saw in, in New Cross Church Suddenly, some people started coming into the service. And the first set of people who came, they were as tall as the lintel. Anybody outside must come in now because I will fill the front row within two minutes. They were as tall as the lintel. Pastor and your wife, can you come and sit in the front place? And move these to the something to the back. Because the front must be occupied. 
what you do is that um, if, the, if the rest of you can just uh, move in so that the edge is free. So what happened was that, um, yeah, no, you're all right, Pastor. Uh, you, well, you can move, move, move in. That's beautiful. So that uh, the edge is free, yes. And move to that place. Fill the back. Yes. Bishop, please move forward. Move Bishop forward. Sit in the front, please. So anybody who comes, like uh, Pastor Wushu and rest, let them sit down there. Yeah, we can manage that. So, are we hearing me? So, the first set of people who came in, they were as tall as the lintel. They said he was wondering, what's going on in the church? Where are these people from? Who are they? And when they came in, another set came in, taller than the lintel that they have to bend before they come in. And I said, he now became very, very scared. And they were coming in troops. He said, the third troop came in, they were as tall as the ceiling. And in a short time, these human beings filled the whole church. He said he stood there wondering that, ah, what is, what is happening? And he woke up. And I told him that you were not in the London church yesterday. The Lord told me to anoint people for sight. And the Lord also had told me and showed us yesterday the saturation of angels, the unction that came. And God was only confirming through him that the people that were anointed yesterday stood for other people too who belonged to the family. So people who were not in yesterday from all over the world, the Lord spoke to us about it and that confirmed, God confirmed it that, you know, the manifestation is for everybody. But then I would say that um, those of you who missed yesterday, as well you ministers, the basic thing you should know is what we dealt with yesterday. And everything we talked throughout this week will be attached to it. So you will need to spend your own holiday, uh, your break time, sit down somewhere and listen to the whole lecture so that you can catch up. Because yesterday we looked at, um, at um, the Church of the Living God. The Church of the Living God. And so that our understanding of the church is different now to what it used to be. All right, now, um, studio, I will count you down and we will carry on. All right. Uh, well, before we go and counting, I I was told by mommy that um, Pastor, okay, you are joining this the church in the um, Luton service tomorrow. You are going tomorrow. So because of you, the last lecture.
today I will change it. So that I will do something that I know you really need. For the, in the area of structure, governance, and law. Yes. Okay, the fuel of church growth. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, that's it. We'll work it out. But anyway, other things that I would be lecturing, you will have them in the video. All right, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Start rolling. Well, I'm very sure that our last lecture was tremendous, tremendously a blessing because we looked into the church of the living God. I want to say to us that the knowledge of what the Bible says the church is is a fundamental knowledge that any minister can have to be able to understand the terrain that he's appointed to serve over. This session, I will take you in a very short session to uh, wrap up the lecture on the Church of the Living God. And then we will go into shepherding God's people so that we can have a true perspective of who are the people we are shepherding and what is our role and duties before the Lord as shepherds. The Church of the Living God. This is the third series of this. Now, yesterday we recognized from our, our, our discussion that the church of the living God is defined as the family, the household of God, and the pillar and foundation of truth. So, and we understood, therefore, that we are all members of that family. We also understand that every one of us was brought to that family by grace. We never earned anything. So our attitude towards people who have not matured enough was very questioned. And I, I will want to say this because of the ministers who have just joined today. I said something yesterday that sometimes the devil will use people in your church. But majority of the people who get into rebellion and stuff are influenced but not used by the devil. If you do not have understanding of what I'm saying, you will throw the baby away with the bathwater. And the people who God has assigned in your life, in the future, to be the potential people that will take you to destiny, you might have kicked them out because of lack of knowledge, because of ignorance. And when you get to that stage in life, God will not give you any provision because you took them out. And a good number of ministers have suffered seriously because they lack judgment in, you know, dealing with matters like this. The key people God has strategically positioned a longer life or destiny. If we do not understand how God expects us to deal with it, the devil can easily shipwreck you by just why they were still young in faith and they are not matured enough. They are influenced into compassion with other people and get into rebellion and stuff. And if you are not discerning and you are not understanding, you will, by your own hand, ruin the destiny of your ministry and you struggle for a long time. So it is essential for you to know that you are accepted by God by grace. You are not a perfect man. If God can put up with you, you must be able to put up with everybody that God brings to you. During this week, I'll be dealing with handling conflicts. When I teach you about conflict resolution in church, I will show you in the scriptures and I will show you from my practical life what has brought me to this state I am. 
And um, so we looked into the fact of grace expanding. I also help you understand a post, a drunkard walked into your into your door. How you should react to that drunkard so that that drunkard feel inclusive. How a witch doctor may come in violently angry because of all what you are doing evil, you know, doing evil against you, and wanted to destroy your your meeting. How you could attend to such people by separating the conduct from the man, so that you can get the man into salvation, and you can deal appropriately with the evil spirits behind it, and it will be so. Now today, I want to take you into. Um, not grace, because we have spoken about grace. There are various people in the church. That is the title. Various people in the church. It is necessary for a minister of God to have a true knowledge of the reality on ground. There are some things in church you do not apply faith. You need to understand the church has spiritual arm. It has administrative arm. We will cover that when we go into the church structure. Now, the administrative arm of the church or the, uh, the embodiment of the church, it comprises of human beings. And Jesus did not die for the righteous, but for the sinner. So what a miserable man uh, when you accept to be a pastor. It is the first testing ground of who you truly are. I will together now. Because God will give you goods. He will give you people who are totally debased in mind. He will give you dons. People who cannot reason at all. He will give you people who are too, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, they are too egocentric. People who also are, have a lot of adrenaline in their body. You tell them to run one mile, they will run 20 miles before they come back and say, what did you say we should do? Alright? You have them. You have people who you will tell something, they will go come back again. You have to tell them about four times before it sinks in. If you don't have understanding of this, it is a good recipe for future regrets. In the book of First Timothy, Second Timothy, therefore, chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, it says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Understand, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold or silver, but also of wood and clay. Then he went further to explain what he meant. And he said, these four Elements of people are divided into two major categories. The first category says some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. Now, the word noble means having or showing fine personal qualities and high moral principle or purpose. Now, if you look at these, therefore, you will agree with me. The Bible says in the church, there are people who have and who show fine personal qualities. They are good people, naturally. They were people who were brought up in a home 
of great strictness. When it comes to integrity, from their upbringing, there is no bargain. When it comes to morality, their standard is very high. When it comes to truthfulness, they, you know, they are next to nothing. They are very, very well brought up. And these people, in their acumen, they show and they have and they can demonstrate and they can display personal qualities. Even some of them will challenge some pastors who didn't have such upbringing. Pastors will look at them and say that this guy, you know, maybe he's supposed to be the pastor. Because their standard is very high in morality. Only few human beings have that privilege on earth. Because the devil has infiltrated many marriages and many, many human beings who are brought up in a war-torn families and, you know, on the, in, on discipline, the environment and stuff like that. Now, but these people too, their moral standard is high, their moral principle is high, and their moral purpose is high. But let me say something to you, they are the most minority in the church. Moral standard, moral purpose, and moral principle. They are the most minority in the church. And I've told you the reason for that is because Satan invaded several families. Not many people were well brought up. Even people can be brought up in Christian homes and they were not, not well brought up. Because we know that majority of those who come to church are theoretical people. Alright? People who we hear, but that's not the practice. They are trying to practice it. Okay? <laughs> I'll tell you something later. So, but then the Bible says that you have the other side, which is just the opposite. Ignoble means morally debased, no sense of purpose. They are personally bankrupt in qualities. These are pigs, goats, people who will repent over the same thing again and again. It doesn't matter how many years they have been coming to church. All right? And you have that range of ignobility beginning from the most ignoble or, uh, and to more ignoble and to ignoble, then crossing the barrier to noble. I would gather now. Now, these people are in your hands. If you fail in dealing with them, you fail. Eternally. This will help me take you to what, uh, uh, um, you know, shepherding God's people. But if you look at verse 21, it says, If a man cleanses himself from the letter, he will be an instrument for noble purpose, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Now we understand that this, this 20, verse 22, 21, recommended a remedy. The remedy is cleansing. But you understand the fact that a pig cannot cleanse himself. It demands the owner to cleanse him. And this is where you and I come in according to what we learned yesterday. You remember when we look into grace as Ephesians 4, that we are all been saved, uh, Ephesians uh, 1, 
that we have all been saved for a, for a purpose as workmanship. And we looked at chapter 4, 7, 11, and 12. That say because of that, God gave grace to us. So that among us, some manifest the grace of, of you know, a pastor. Some manifest the grace of prophet and teacher and the rest of it. So that we can now furnish those people. The people, the ignoble, the most ignoble, the more ignoble, and the ignoble. Alright? With information according to Christ. Remember the book of Acts chapter, chapter 3, uh, chapter 4. Verse 32 to 34, when he says that the apostle testified to, to the resurrection of Christ and grace, much grace was given. So that whenever as much as you are testifying and teaching about Jesus Christ, then there will be transformation in the heart of the people and that is what can cleanse them. Not telling them stories of cock and bull. Or listening to one minister somewhere on television and then you are regurgitating them. When we listen to one another preaching, we learn. So that when we now we minister, we come with inspiration. We do not just take the tape of somebody, memorize everything and then regurgitate it. Because people will say that that person is, that message is pastor such and such. Because they have had him. So we recognize the fact, therefore, to cleanse oneself from ignobility, it needs a noble man to inform the ignoble. Not only that, to demonstrate his nobility, because you understand that nobility is showing fine personal qualities, okay, and a high moral standard. Now, in this scripture, we who are ministers now see the task before us. Or any one of you who feel that God is calling you. You don't think that to be a pastor is just to be ordained and go and preach somewhere. It is the most dangerous uh, offer a man can accept under heaven is to be a minister of the gospel. And I'm going to show you in the next lecture. It is most dangerous because... If you work in a company and you are not working purposefully, your, your um, board can sack you. Alright, they can remove you. But if you are a minister of God and you are not working purposefully, unfortunately, you will die like that before you are judged. In the place where you will be judged, you cannot repent and change things. Alright, and I showed you yesterday, if your work burns off, you will only weep, cry in heaven, and God will wipe the child away from your eyes. Or, you can shipwreck and go to hell. I'm going to show you that in the next lecture. Many pastors are in hell. But before they die, they really believe they are going to heaven. I will together now. We'll look at the things that bring ministers to that level. Therefore, for us, you know, and I know that there is, for us is zero tolerance by God. We must be noble. And we must go higher in nobility. We must live an exemplary life. You must not boss people. You must not impose yourself on people. I will together. There are some honor people want to give you that you tell them you cannot do that. Because if you allow that honor, it will get to your head and you will be finished. 
Are we together? You must not demand honor from people. People must honor you because they are willing. That is your nobility is what will, will you know, uh, attract the kind of honor you get. I will together now. Or else you are running a dangerous life. Therefore, having known that we have ignoble and noble, and the ignoble could cleanse themselves, that means to you and I that what I was saying initially was correct. Somebody may be a pig when he entered your church. In the next five years, he may be the most anointed apostle. Somebody may lead rebellion today. In the next ten years, he will be the one that will lift your hand to your next destiny. Somebody may be among those who will really attack you and derogate you today. But in three years, God has ordained to make him the one who will open the door for you. If you don't understand that, number one, I told you yesterday, you cannot fire people in church. That is to remove them from church or tell them not to come to church anymore. Except those who commit apostasy that the Bible says we should excommunicate. And it is not your own authority alone as a pastor to do that. You must call your counsel and report a case like that so that they will establish your action by the word of God. Do we get me now? So therefore, can you bring pastor over there by Pastor Roger? Pastor Roger, move inside. So, listen to me therefore. Because of that, you and I have an obligation I will together now. The obligation we have is this. We cannot allow our old ignobility to overtake our nobility now that we are ministers. In other words, you cannot allow the behavior of the ignobles to change your nobility. I will together now. Listen to me attentively. Satan get rid of ministers through members. Satan shipwreck ministry through members. What this lecture is, before I move you into shepherding gospel, is to help you know, one, you are, you were once ignoble. And by the mercy of God, by the word of God, you were transformed from ignoble to noble. By the cleansing of the word. Now that you are a minister, that scripture tells me, in that verse 21, if a man cleanses himself from the latter with nobility, that behind that statement is the word patience. Because you who is supposed to be the mentor of them, God expects you to be patient for them to go through the period of cleansing and not just hammer their head. You know, if I employ you in my office and you are not satisfying my purpose, I sack you. But if you are a member of the church, I cannot sack you. Because God has brought you to test my patience and to develop my character. I will together now. That is the reason why it does not matter what anybody had done against me under heaven. Those of you who have been with me for years know that I don't, I don't deal with them as well they done. Because I'm able to separate the man from the conduct. 
I'm able to put myself in a shoe and ask myself question. If it was Jesus that was the minister, Apostle Williams, how would he have reacted to these people? And because of that attitude from the beginning of my ministry up to today, I have lost nothing. Nothing. I have lost nothing. I never sat down in my life to say, oh my God, if I had known, I would not have done this to this person. Or I would not have dealt with this person this way. Really throughout my own life, you know, the times that I had issues of rebellion and stuff, when I do crisis, handling crisis, I will help you know this. I had accommodated it. I had refused to talk about it because whatever you talk about is what you can invent about. When you sit down and begin to discuss rebellion, you will get more rebellious yourself. And God had told me that, you know, I should not answer anything that does not, conf- that does not challenge my calling and my, my office. You know, Jesus Christ, when they accuse him and also, he doesn't reply them. But when you talk against his purpose, then he will correct you. It is imperative that Jesus Christ say, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you Sadducees. But the Pharisee man came to him and he followed him to his house to go and pray for the daughter. Are you with me now? So you must understand the principle of Jesus Christ. While I went through my own situation, testing time, these things I know and those things I did. So that today, even people who left me, okay, who did what is not right, they are happy to come back to me. They are free with me today. Some of them have said to me that if I wish when they come back, I, okay, I want to bring this work back on that seat. I said, no, don't do that. But you are still my own son. You are under me. The church is under me. I will do for you anything I'll do for the other branches. And told them that, look, because the people that you, are, you have gathered there, they have had a definition of a name. All right? That name has a purpose. And the people God has brought under you will follow that purpose. But, you know, I received, I opened my arms to receive you. I went to their church and they said, this is my father and all stuff. That's it. They see me anywhere I'm their father. What I would do to any member, I would do to his members. What I would do to he, the pastor, I would do uh, to the rest of the pastors. To me, they are not different. A child is a child. A child left home and came back is still a child. You cannot child a child. Full stop. So there is none of them that can see me anywhere and you know, put on the buffet. Because I did not permit it. I would mean I did not permit it. You almost be like that. I'm a mortal man who seek to be like Christ. And the key to it is to be like Jesus Christ. I'm still struggling and I'm still aiming to become fully like him. Okay, and I've told God that he should not allow me to die until I become a walking Jesus on the streets of this world. I would together. These are the little things that many did not understand. So today, let me talk about what about if one of them who left was supposed to be my financial back, backbone. Okay? Because I didn't throw him as a child with the bathwater. Alright? God blesses him now. He will still bring me the finance. Really, let me say this to you. People who have left CFT, every year they come and they bless me. Father's Day, they come and they bless me. They give me money. Father's Day. They bring their children, their bath children, that this is your grandfather. And this is my father. And the children will bring me gifts. From their kid, they made those children give me gifts, okay? Now that the children are grown up, the children themselves, you know, individually will come and bless me. 
All right? If I had treated them like a devil and punched their head, that's the end of that sauce. How did you, how have you handled your conflict? So if you have handled it wrong, get corrected. That God will give you ignobles in the church to test your patience, to test your, your nobility, and to help prune your nobility so that your nobility can come to the very pop, the, the, the standard that God has set a high personal quality and moral principles. Now, this is the key in the life of ministers and ministry. Jesus said in John chapter 17, Father, all that you have given me, the devil was not able to take them from me. That should be your own word too. I would get you see, all these issues that somebody did evil to me, somebody stabbed my back and all stuff like that, a minister of God should have grown out of that. If you are still one of those people who they stab your back and you are crying and you are misbehaving, you get hurtful, you get angry and stuff like that, you are still in the stage not of a pastor but of a member. Though you might have been decorated with the title of pastor, you are still a member. But, you know, we understand the fact that how could we be a noble? Cleanse yourself. Those who teach the word should not be taught. They should just apply the word and cleanse themselves. Someone says that this member of my church, I've had enough of him. I don't know why God brought him. Now you know why. Eh? You know why. He brought him because there are some things in you that God wants to deal with. And the only way you can deal with that thing is by bringing that guy who you, you pray him out, he's getting more established. You prophesy that he will leave his flourishing in the house. But he continues to stand against you. Amen. When I talk about conflict, we will deal more with that. But for now, therefore your duty, Isaiah chapter 2, 3, 2 verse 2 and 3. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream into it. Now, why? Many people will, go, will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. And the last line says, for the Lord will go out from Zion. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You know what? How do you deal with the ignoble? Teach the word of God. Teach the word of God. The whole counsel of the word. From Old Testament to New Testament. You know, Old Testament in First Corinthians 10 tells us, Old Testament is written for us to know how God dealt with man so that we can learn from it. One of the people that I always learn from who is my, uh, is a man I, I really um, you know, um, I love so much. I want to be like him except for one thing. He was a Messiah sent by God who brought the people of Israel out of bondage with great signs and wonders. He was a man that God revealed his nakedness to 
He was a man not far from heaven, though he was living on earth. A man that has all the hosts of heaven in his disposal. Alright? A man who argued with God, who talked with God. A man that argued with God to the place that God cornered him and said, I will kill you here. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? God telling somebody, I'll kill you. If God wanted to kill him, he doesn't need to say it. He just do like that and he's gone. But God loved him so much that God had to talk to him like a mate. You know? That if you don't do this circumcision, I'm going to just kill you. Does the wife saw God wrestling with him? The wife quickly did the circumcision and poured the blood and said, God said, your wife saved you. Get away from here. You know, he has come to a place where God himself said he was the meekest man on the hem. No other person did God make such remark. Alright. But yet, he lost his destiny because of reaction to man. Man provoked him to anger. And when he was angry, God did not pardon him. He was ordained to enter Canaan. Because where God called him, he says, Your destiny is that you will lead my people from bondage into Canaan. He didn't say to the door of Canaan. But we got God, God equity, you know, is solid. God is a God of strictness. He does not bear budge for any one of us. God will not say that because you are so used to me, so you can get away with some stuff. Alright? So what God did. When he misbehaved because of, you know, the, um, the uh, misbehavior of people. You know, God, God used his handwriting to write something. He gave it to humanity. And he came down, he saw the people worshipping idol. Because of zeal for God, he threw it away and burnt it to ashes. We will have been seeing the handwriting of God on earth today, if not for that. Now, God now said, you know, you see, because, and he said that, touch the rock, and he went angrily and struck the rock. God said, look, because of what you have done, the consequence cannot be eroded. You need to know that, ministers, that an act you would do, God himself cannot change his decision of punishment for you. You have to go through it. We, we, we will not get used to God as to contempt God. I will get there now. And the man, when the time came, God said, come up. And he went up and said, look at the place you should go. But because you have done this, this is your stopover. He died there, and then God sent an angel to carry his bones to heaven. I mean, I can understand this God. <laughs> he is the God of equity. God's jurisprudence is next to now. I would together now. So, understand this. What we are talking about is, in the church are nobles and ignobles. The nobles, the ignoble can cleanse themselves of the ignobility and they become noble. And you, are, you and I have the mandate to be an example, to also be patient in all which we looked yesterday, to be humble as Christian workers, okay? Not to practice all the nonsense you see on television and people imposing themselves on other people. It's just totally wrong. It is ungodly act. Respect is not demanded. It is earned by manifestation. If you sow the seed of respect to God, you will earn the fruit of respect from human beings. If you are not disrespected from human beings, the Lord check your respect towards God. That's just simple. And if people, you know, decided to respect you, 
then that is genuine. They will be blessed by it. But if you compel them to respect you, you are in predicament and dilemma. And they will also be cursed. So you become the pastor of cursed people. Now, you need to understand God's principle. Let me tell you a story because I'll soon finish this in about five minutes. I had a, a minister of mine who got angry with me one day for one reason or the other. Well, let me tell you the reason. The reason was because, you know, he was doing things wrongly. I rebuked him and God told me that he would close down his church. And I called one of the administrators and said, that church is going to be closed down on this month. And that month came, the church was closed down. I didn't have anything to do with it because God said it. Okay. Now, he got angry. I called them back to the base and I said all the members should go to another church. So he came back to the base and he led a rebellion. And one day he was in my house and he was raging at me in my own sitting room, pointing hand on my head like that. I was sitting in one single sofa. He got up and he was speaking and shouting and raging and spitting over me. And he was lying against me in my own house. And pointing his finger on my head. And you know, my wife, if you slap her, maybe you can go scot-free. But if you scratch me, she will die. Okay? You want to see the anger of my wife? You turn against me. And then you will, you will beg God for mercy. Okay? Many things you can do to her and she can just keep quiet and walk away from you. I don't know how that happened, but that's the provision. <laughs> And my wife got up and she was getting to her anger. I calmed her down. I couldn't at the time because the guy continued and continued until what you call patience died. Okay? The person who brought him was fighting him and, you know, insulting him. One of the things he said is that I don't want people to read. And I think those who watch me on television knows that I'm doing my fourth degree really now. And I also went to do bricklaying. So, if I don't want people to read, how will I go and do bricklayer? Haven't been a graduate. Alright? And that one said, you're a liar. Apostle is telling of us to read. He will help us know where to study, what to study. And the guy was swimming. But you see, this is the issue. Was I angry at all? No. Was I sad at all? No. Why? All what he said are lies. So why should I fight? All what he said are not correct. Why should I reply? Haven't I told you? The Bible says do not listen to all the words your servants say. Or you hear him abuse you. If somebody is accusing you falsely, okay? Let me tell you this. He had made up his mind to believe a lie. There is no argument you can pose that will change his mind. So be quiet. Does the lie or make your reality? No. Now, all the insult he gave me in my room, shouting, and maybe the neighbors were hearing. When I came out, did the neighbors see insult on my body as a garment? No. <laughs> I said, what is, why should I reply an insult? I don't want to fall into the mistake of Moses. I don't want to fall into the mistake of Moses. Do you know something? How would he done all that? And mommy said some things to him out of anger. You know, when a father in a just position, or a mother in a just position, you know, out of anger, you know, speak negatively to a child. It happens. It does happen. Because it's God's order. 
It will not take place if it is costless. Like a darting sparrow that has no resting place. So a costless curse shall not come to rest. But if because of the disgruntledness of that child, of, of that person, that have gone beyond tolerance of humanity, and that person, the other recipient out of anger, spoke negative, it happens. God will not have, God cannot stop it, because it is God's jurisprudence. It is eternal order. That person will have to suffer that consequences, then another man can expiate for the same person, and then God can revoke it. I would get it now. If that person is truly born again, he will have gone back to that source and plead for mercy. If anybody didn't do that, he's half born again. He's not truly born again. You know, this matter of salvation, many of you will understand that. It is not just confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because Jesus said that some have done that. But for some reasons, they will not enter my rest. Okay? It is not all who call me Lord, Lord, Jesus said. But those who do the will of my Father. If you are the principle of one say forever, say they are all in hell. I can tell you. You know, I've been to heaven a few times. I can tell you the truth. The fact is that anything Jesus says should not be undermined. Neither should you philosophize it. We just have to comply with it. Your inability to submit to the truth of God is pride. We looked at that yesterday. And can you be proud before the one who saw your informed bodies? You know, the last thing about this in this realm is the rule, your rule in the house, in the house of, in the household of God. This area you have to teach your members and yourself too. What should you do? What is your role in the household of God? You know, we are looking at the church of the living God. The church of the living God. Number one. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 to 21. I will just read through this. It says, do your best. That's the first thing. To present yourself to God. As one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. And who correctly handles the word of truth. Or who correctly divides the word of truth. Listen to me, beloved. We are here on earth. To do our best. How? When? Every day. Because the best of today may be your last best. One day, your best will be the end of all matter. So, we must live our life daily as if that's the last opportunity to live. And we will never wake up the next day. Therefore, you can't go to bed with grudges. You can't go to bed with, with uh, you know, mourning. All those things that are not befitting to a godly person cannot go to bed with you. You must repent before the Lord daily if you went into all this mess. So that you don't go to bed because you may not wake up the next morning. And when we say repentance, it's not a confession. You are ministers. Confession is telling somebody, I'm sorry. I did this to you. Repentance is to feel sad that you did it. And because of that conviction, you went to apologize and you not do it again. That is repentance. They are two different things. They are analogous, but in content they are different. Now it says, number 16, avoid godless chatter. Do your best, number one. The, the, the rule, your rule in the household of faith. Do your best. Number two, avoid godless chatter. Don't be interested in talking about things that does not enhance holiness. 
He says, because those who indulge in them will become more and more ungodly. Did you recognize what I said initially? That when the rebellion was going on in my church, I refused to address it in my presbytery. Alright? Though I knew it was going on. Whenever presbytery, when somebody said that, you know, there is a problem in this church, I said that. Who said that? The, the purpose of presbytery is to think about how do we help God's people. To look at what we have done for the month. To look at where we have failed to help them. And then to now find solutions. Okay, you who heard this section, these are your needs. Okay, that should be sorted. This is what you should do. You who heard this section, this is the problem. You said this, this is how you do it. So that everybody who heard sections will come and talk. And they will tell you their limitations. They will tell you the problems. And you know, therefore, that some of the problems may need teaching. Then you as a shepherd go teach. It's not a place to come and sit down and be opening the Pandora's box of somebody that, do you know what your friend really is doing? All right. You get into that, you get more ungodly. Understand that when you have a, a leaders meeting, a presbytery meeting, what happens is that, who is the chairman? The Holy Spirit. And you don't waste his time. For any reason. What about if somebody did wrong? The Bible gives, gives us precedence of what to follow. Steps. Okay? And that can be dealt with according to the steps. But do not get involved in Godless charter. Because those who engage in it get more godless. And I would say in that as well, don't talk about what people have done about you, against you, you know, and, and, and talking about it because you get more godless. I would get that. If somebody said to me, you are stupid, I'm fed up of you, you are the worst pastor I've ever seen in the world, I just thought, well, that's his opinion, but that may not be valid. I would get it now. So I said, okay, no problem. You know, as time goes on, <laughs> we will know the truth. And if you came back the following day or one month after, haven't told the whole church how foolish I am and how bad and terrible I am. And he came up in the church again and he prostrated, Daddy, I'm sorry for what I've done. As for me, he is now sorry. I wouldn't say that, but you are a liar because I can't see his mind. It's only God who sees his mind who can tell me that that story he said now is just a lie. And I will say that, oh, did God just told me that this is the situation. But if God didn't tell me what he says, I accept men on the evidence of what they are saying. Even if they don't mean what they are saying. I believe that they really mean in their spirit what they are saying, but a demon in them is the one that's hindering them to really do what they are saying. You know, that guy who pointed a finger at my head and stuff, one day, the church was full. They left. He left. And that time, we lost half of the church. About 450 people left CFT in one service. And I'm talking about when London was still struggling. That was 1996. These people who cooked together, gang together, they convinced up about half of the church. We were about 900 and something. And half of the church did not report the following Sunday. If it was some minister, they would go to the pulpit and curse them, curse their root, curse their grand children, unborn babies, everybody curse. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. For me, it was pruning. Because Jesus says, the brand does not bear fruit. I cut off. If he cuts off, who was my business? Who brought them? Is it not he? If he tells them to go, will they not go? I never hated them who left. One of them who left was very intimate friend of mommy. She came to this, when we came to this country, she was languishing. We brought her into her house, raised her in her house, fed her, clothed her. She stayed free. We shared our meal together, shared our little together. 
you will be very surprised that that one is the one who became a ringleader against us. But you know something. Some years later, the Lord had blessed the church beyond the 450, doubled the whole congregation and stuff. And you know, when they left, our offering didn't change and our tithes every month. Whether angels were the one coming to give money, myself and my bishop, we cannot do. You know, I remember those days, my bishop would be telling me that, I'm supposed to deal with this. I said, no, 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 that's nothing to deal with. You guys just be calm. But you know me. Even for me to tell them whether it's true or not, I tell them I don't have to tell you because you should know who I am. All right? If you will be, you will believe me because of what I said. Yeah, you are not my son. You have been with me for years. It's not somebody who just joined you who will tell you who have been with me what I am. Okay? I'm not going to tell you about anything. That was no problem. Full stop. Okay? When I say no problem, no problem. And I asked from the people who flagged the problem that, who is the leader of the church? He said, ah, well, you are the leader of the church. I said, in the church I lead, I don't have any problem. So if I don't have any problem, there's nothing to deal with. There's nothing to address in the presbytery. Just let's face God's work. And if you have a problem, you go and sort your problem out. Not here, not here, not here. Because those who get involved in, in chatterless things, they get more ungodly. I said, no, I don't want it. You know, their high heart is that, well, if we pull all these people out, we have gotten a big crowd among our group to leave the church and the church will collapse. It's not possible. The church can only collapse when I collapse. If I don't collapse, the church cannot collapse. Because the church is inside me. He was inside me from heaven. And when I was brought to the earth, he was born. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's so simple. You know. And one day, after God had blessed the church back, replenished the church, we bought our building after all of them left. Can you imagine? That's when we bought the first building. So, I we have a meeting and the church was jammed to the outside. People were standing to the outside in an overcomers night. And I saw somebody by the door towards the end outside. And it looked like him. I said, is that not my son there? And the rest of the team were wondering, who is he? Go get me your brother. I called his name. Come over. Make way for him. And they made way for him. I said, sit down in the front. You know where I sit down in the front? No one sits beside me. Except the one I invite. All his own seniors were sitting behind. I told the come and said, right beside me. And people were wondering that what is going on with this man? What kind of man is this? He sat beside me and I took his hand. I said, church, this is my son. Treat him like me. Alright? The Lord bless you. And when I said that, you know what he did? He went flat on the ground with his, his ears to the ground and said, daddy, I'm so sorry. I said, I've forgiven you. Don't talk about that here. You did nothing. And I raised him up. Starting beside me. Alright? I would do that because Jesus would do that. So anyway, I meet him, there is no issue. Therefore, do your best. Avoid godless chatter. Or you get more ungodly. Number 17 says, their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Himenaeus. And Philetus, you will always have Philetus in church, and Himenaeus. You cannot pray them out, unfortunately, until they finish their work of pruning you and disciplining you and grooming you to the righteousness. And then when God is finished with them, He can take them out. Now, it says, who have wandered away from the truth? <clears throat> they say that the resurrection has already taken place. You see these guys, in the time of the apostles, the headache they also have about doctrine. And they destroyed the faith of some. That's what I told you. They destroy the faith of some. He says, nevertheless, I love this, verse 19. God's solid foundation stands firm. 
sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows <clears throat> those who are what? His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord <clears throat> must what? Turn away from wickedness. I love it. This is where we're going to stop. I'm sure that you have been mightily blessed by this very episode. And please, why don't you contact us and let us share in the joy of your salvation and testimony. May the Lord grant us all the grace and the, and the attitude and the uh, ability to be the incarnate Christ upon the face of the earth. God bless you. So the next time I come across your path, remain blessed. Thank you so much, church. You know what we're going to do now? Our next lecture is separating God's people. But I will just give you 15 minutes. And this is um, 11.53.